Podcast by Committee is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Now, obviously, you're here for some NFL talk, and that's what Nando DeFino and I are going to bring you in this episode of Podcast by Committee. But guess what? Game time has more than NFL tickets. MLB World Series tickets, NBA tickets, NHL tickets with those seasons just underway, concert theater, all of it available to you on Game Time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to Podcast by Committee, the Thursday edition, a week before Halloween. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, a very interesting topic I wanted to bring up, which we're going to get to in a second, after I introduce our co-host for the week, Mr. Michael Beller. What's up, Nando? Happy to, uh, happy to step out from behind the microphone to in front of it. We've done this once before, and it was fun. It was. So, yeah. It was. I enjoyed it. Was definitely. And let me say, I really enjoy um, your, your new podcast by committee intro where you just sort of yell podcast by committee i like it a lot <laughs> it's the only way i know how man <laughs> podcast intros one speed it's beautiful it's working for <laughs> thanks. us oh thanks so much um so how you doing man How's i'm good going? i'm good everything's good uh ready for uh the, you know then another uh, nfl week starting tonight with uh a game i expect to be a blowout between the vikings and the redskins but uh, everything's everything's going good here man that's great uh how are your teams my teams are um, pretty good, actually. Uh, mine are crap. Feel free to be honest. Mine are total crap right now. I, <laughs> I made have, I made a, a few mistakes, and uh, Antonio Brown happened to like yeah. seven of my eleven teams, and that was it. I have one truly terrible team uh, that at about week three I, I uh, changed the name of it to the bad team. Um, <laughs> it is it is just terrible. It's going to go down as one of the worst teams I've ever had, and that's in a. Uh, uh, it's a, a league we named the Chicago Media League that we started about maybe five or six years ago. It's all Chicago-based uh, media people, like about half fantasy, half not fantasy. So uh, the Athletics' own Bears beat writer Kevin Fishbane is in that league. Um, He's the man. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, our good fantasy pals uh, Andy Barons and Pat Fitzmorris and uh, Mike Tagliere all in that league as well. Some uh, Chicago radio guys. Uh, so uh, it's been a fun league, and my team is just truly atrocious. Uh, but my two most important teams, my home league with my friends uh, that's been you know going on 22 years now, something like that, and then another one that's like half of those guys and half of another group of friends, uh, both of those teams are looking good. And those are the ones that on Sunday I'm really thinking about. So I feel good about that. And then in, uh, in Jake Seeley's Flex League, I am uh, sitting at a cool 6-1. and one. Really? Yeah. I got I, I, beat, uh, I beat Funston last week. Uh, we had the two lowest scores in the league last week, but uh, he had the lowest, and I had the second lowest. So I'll take the victory. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Like I've <laughs> I've had so many of those second highest and uh, losing. So yeah, you get w the flip side. W. Of it. Yeah, feels good. It does. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's pop into this this one topic that I really wanted to get into. This is not. I wrote an article about it yesterday because it actually popped up in the comments of a different article that I wrote. Um, and I haven't written an article in a, in a few weeks. We've we've launched basketball and hockey and everything, and uh, you know my, my attention has been uh, misfiring. 
basically into the editing side. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let me write a couple things this week. I got some time, uh, which always turns into fun. But um, so I wrote a story about how you got to pick up Reggie Bonafon. He's like the most, and you, he's he's from our show here when we had Jordan Rodriguez on. Reggie I remember. Bonifant. Yeah, that's our guy. He's the official mascot of uh, podcast <laughs> podcast by committee. Um, and it was about how you should also trade for Odell Beckham Jr. because coming off the bye, the Browns, whatever, whatever. And a guy was in there like he said something about the Patriots. It was one of the commenters. It was a smart comment. And he's like, you know, the Patriots D is getting them this week and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really read anything past that. He made a bunch of good points about why, you know, you shouldn't trade for Beckham. But uh, it was a Patriots D and I'm sitting there like something's weird about the Patriots. I'm going to dive into this a little more. And dude, if you look at what the Patriots have done, I mean, it's awesome. And over the weekend, everyone on Twitter, you know, everyone from Matthew Berry to Adam Rank were like, oh, Patriots defense, most dominant thing, MVP so far. But you know what, man? Like, if, if you actually look at what the Patriots have done this year, and it's good, but they have played. Let me let me go down the list for you. And I don't know Please if you've noticed do. it, too. Oh, I've noticed it. Please do, though. I want to hear this. So here are the quarterbacks the Patriots have faced this year. First of all, the Patriots have, have gone against Pittsburgh, Miami, the Jets, Buffalo, Washington, the Giants, and the Jets again. Their, their league rank in yards per game, 28th, 31st, 32nd, 17th, 29th, 24th, and then 32nd for the Jets again. They've gotten Ben Roethlisberger in week one, and they manhandled him. That's that's fine. Whatever. Pat's good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You had an entire preseason to plan for this game. So <laughs> that's that's my, yeah. we'll tip my the justification cap, for that one. Right? Yeah, we'll tip the cap to that one, but let's hear the rest. Yeah. Week two was the half Ryan Fitzpatrick, half Josh Rosen game where they got four interceptions against Miami. Week three, they got Luke Falk when he was subbing in for, for Rosen. Um, no, for Darnold. Even. I'm sorry, for, Dar- for Darnold. Uh, you know, 98 yards and interception. Week four, they got the half Josh Allen, half Matt Barkley game against the Bills. And Allen had 153 yards and three interceptions. Barkley came in through another interception. Week five, they get Washington in the Colt McCoy game with 122 yards passing. Week six, they got Daniel Jones, but that was the Daniel Jones game without Evan Ingram, without Wayne Gallman. Uh, and without Sterling Shepard. And then week seven, just now, they got Sam Darnold in his second game back from Mono when he threw the, the four interceptions. So, I, and plus they got five DST touchdowns. They got three from, from the defense and two from special teams. Um, so, dude, I, like, they play these terrible teams. Everyone's so jazzed about the Pats DST. And I'm sorry I'm dominating all this talking here, but I wanted to set this up properly. Uh, so I'm like, dude, you, like... The, you, the Pats DST is the most overrated thing in fantasy right now, and you need to trade it immediately and then just go pick up Indianapolis or even Carolina's on some waiver wires right now, or even Washington. Um, and, you know, and like, you know, you, you don't get the same numbers, but that Pats D is going to come crashing down against Cleveland this week, I think. And then like looking ahead, they've got, they've got some pretty tough, they got some pretty tough opponents. Yeah. They've got a and real they got schedule. buy in there. They've got a real schedule the rest of the season. Unlike what yeah, they, they had like the first normal. half of the season. Not even amazing. They have normal teams. They they caught Beller. They've caught so many breaks this season, and people are just ignoring that and just kind of like dancing around like with puppies and squirrels around them. <laughs> like the Patriots are the greatest defense in the world. They're not. I mean, it they're good. It would have been the easiest schedule, regardless uh, of quarterback injuries. But how many how many quarterback injuries did you list in there? Right? They they didn't get Darnold the first game against the Jets. They only got Josh Allen for half a game, and they dominated Josh Allen when he was out there. Credit there. Uh, they they um they didn't get uh, Case Keenum or Dwayne Haskins for that matter. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and so I agree with you that if you can trade, I am in. I'm firmly in the camp of if you can trade a defense for almost any legitimate player, you do it because defensive performance is so volatile from week to week, and the way to play defense is to 
stream, stream, stream and look for good matchups and, and target those. I think more often than not, we really want to be going after attacking bad offenses rather than backing good defenses in the fantasy world. So I, uh, number one, I agree with you completely. Number two, I'm going to put a little of my own spin on this and say, uh, I think team defense has absolutely no place in the fantasy game. Uh, and uh, Yahoo put out a tweet uh, a couple days ago, sometime this week, uh, with the top five players on like their best team. So like if you drafted player X, you're in this average place. And the bottom yeah. five players. So the players basically tied to the best teams on average and the players tied to the worst teams on average. And the number one player on the best teams, it's not Christian McCaffrey. It is somehow the Patriots defense. And if that doesn't raise all the red flags in the world to you that maybe we should be taking a step back from what defense is in fantasy, I don't know what will. It's the biggest nuisance. You know, our, our buddy Jake Seeley hates kickers and is the leader of the band kicker movement. And I, I'm not with him. I understand the logic. I get what he's saying, but I'm not with him on it. Forget about kickers. Defense is the nuisance. And this is why, because defenses can produce outlier scores that swing games way more than kickers can with these defensive touchdowns and with these turnovers kickers, as long as you just make every field goal worth three points and you don't award any yardage bonuses, then kickers are very unlikely to produce these outlier scores uh, that you're not really buying the player. You're buying the situation. And I don't think we should be rewarding that in the ways that defense rewards that. And so I am all about getting rid of defense. Forget about team defense. If you want to do defense in a fantasy league, than playing an IDP league. I do play in an IDP league, and it's fun. But team defense is ridiculous. And the fact that the Patriots have been more valuable than Christian McCaffrey, who is on pace for one of the most incredible seasons we've seen in recent memory, is just all you need to know about why defense has no place in the fantasy game. But what would you replace it with? Uh, nothing. Like I know cares? Jake wants to replace kickers with a super flex. Yeah, but you can. Um, but I don't. I don't. I don't think there. There is no set number of starting positions in fantasy. If you like, you can keep. You can keep kicker and add a flex. You can keep kicker and defense and add a flex. Uh, you, you don't need to have ten positions or eleven positions. If you don't want to add a position, don't add one. Or if you want to, add, I mean, we should be playing a lot of flex anyways. One. One of my. Uh, some of my favorite league setups are. Uh, super flex, so we got a QB and then a, a QB flex spot where you're going to want to play a QB. Two running backs, three receivers, two more flex spots that don't have QB eligible, and that's it. I like having a kicker in there too, but if you don't want to have a kicker, that's cool by me. But I don't think you need to replace it with anything. It's just it's a silly position that no one is actually playing for. They're just scouting matchups, and one person gets lucky every single season. Last year it was the Bears. Year before that it was the Jaguars. And those should not be things that swing fantasy leagues, in my opinion. We spend all summer talking about this breakout running back, that sleeper wide receiver, and then a defense comes in and is one of the top 20 players in the league. And, and that's just not in the spirit of the game, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I wish I had this in front of me or even knew how to find it on the site. It, it would take me like 10 minutes. But Salfino, in one of his articles, I think it was maybe offseason, maybe right on that offseason preseason line, one of his leagues does something with head coaches and accounts team wins. Uh, so instead of the, you know, it, it kind of combines gambling with fantasy, but like mm -hmm. a very, very small little piece of gambling where, um, you know, you pick like Frank Reich and uh, if he wins that week, you get the points. And then I think be. if you don't, you get none, so, something like that. You get, I think it's maybe like 10 versus three or something. Yeah. There, there's it's a, like I read it, I'm like, oh, crap, I should convert all my leagues to the scoring system. You know, it'd be fun to do with that. Uh, and maybe Selfino does it like this would be uh, not wins and losses, but uh, cover and not cover. Maybe that was it. I, there, there was some tweak to it that wasn't just a straight head coach or team. It was, ah, uh, oh man, I wish I could remember it. <laughs>
I'd want to look it up, but uh, we'll have to have him on again, and he'll, he can tell he can tell us all about it. Yeah, I could probably actually. It'd probably be quicker just to text him and be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> what was that rule in your league? Can, right, you, explain, right. can you explain it, please?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, so look, we're in a world where everyone plays with DSTs, though, and I think it's kind of fun because even if you're, you know, the smartest fantasy player in the world, it's still kind of fun to get your favorite team defense and sure. root for like interceptions. And I mean, right? Or let me put it this way: my brother was a punter in college, and I go to his games. And uh, man, it was kind of boring, like to watch the rest of the game and just wait for my brother to punt. And you got in a way you're weirdly like cheering against Fordham so he could go punt. Um, but like it was just kind of I think that having the DST still gives you half of a game to root for for something. You know what I mean? So it's not just totally boring. Yeah, but but, but it's not like you're only watching one game uh, for like, yeah, that's true. for for fantasy. It's not like you have to have like a, a this game only. It's not like you're no one plays in a uh, you know uh, uh, Saints versus Cardinals only fantasy league, and so you need to have a defense on one side or the other. I suppose that you know we maybe need defense in you know showdown slates and DFS uh, when we're only playing one game. But other than that, who cares? Just drop just drop the position. Drop the position. No one should be. No one should be riding a defense to a fantasy championship, and people are doing that with the Patriots this year for no other reason than they got incredibly lucky. And fantasy is a game with a ton of luck, and I don't think we should be sh- trying to remove the luck from the league, lo- remove the luck from the game. I mean, but the, the defense position is just something that no one. It's a throwaway position that can swing entire leagues, and but that gonna- is where I have a problem with it. But the people who own the Patriots right now are going to get crushed. Like they're depending on these, however many. Like I, it's. I, I, by the way, I didn't realize how much defense varies in all my leagues. Like how much. Like every league I have has a different scoring total for my defensive leaders. Um, I'm assuming, and I've got like three on CBS, and they all have different scoring rules yeah. for DST. So whatever that number is, the Pats. Let's just say they have 15, and Carolina has 10 on average every week. The Pats are about to get crushed, man. Oh my god! Like yes, I, I think that stat where the Pats. You know, right now, after seven weeks, maybe you're on the best teams. That's not going to be true by the time the season ends. Agreed. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, I totally. I mean, they've already they've already built up so much capital that they're going to be, you know, it's going to be hard to knock them out of the top five. But uh, from this point forward, I wouldn't be surprised if they were nowhere near that. And another thing that that drives me crazy about defense, and we then we got to move on from this this discussion. But the so other yeah, thing I think that- this is a great. Well, you know what? I think if you have the Patriots, <laughs> what can you get for them? I, it depends on your league. I mean, I, I get, I get some, you know, I mean, we know this, we get texts from friends and family members and it really does depend on the league. Uh, I, I, like I said, I can't believe anyone would ever trade for any defense ever, no matter what, but I get questions from friends and family members all the time of, you know, I can trade this defense for this actual player. Should I do it? And my answer is a hundred times out of a hundred. Yes. Um, but, uh, I just think that the Patriots, that this this defensive situation uh, is something that really needs to be turned around um, in a way that doesn't let someone run away with the league because of what's supposed to be basically a throwaway position. Well, I enjoy it. Like, I'm sorry. I, I'm usually on board with a lot of your stuff, but I enjoy having <laughs> the DST in there. Oh, God. I think it's fun, man. It's, it's I don't know. It's like saying you don't need a star on top of your Christmas tree or something. But here's the here's a, the thing. Here's a hood the, ornament on your car, you know. Well, I I actually disagree with that. I think that those are two. I think those are very different things. And here's the thing that I was gonna say about this is what really gets me crazy about defense, and this doesn't apply to the Patriots this year. I will grant that. But 
Christian McCaffrey's number one number one running back in fantasy. He's also one of the very best running backs in the league. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, these guys are at the top of the quarterback rankings. They are also among the very best quarterbacks in the league. That doesn't always track at the defense position, right? You don't always have the teams that are the best real-life defenses as the best fantasy defenses. And that is where things really go haywire for me because that's where this gets to be totally unpredictable and, and totally just you know throwing something at the wall and, and it happens to stick. And I think that's just another mark against the defense position, the fact that you could be a – what was it? It was a few years ago where the Chiefs were – like an average fan, an average real life defense, but they happen to uh, get pretty fortunate with uh, some defensive touchdowns, and if you include special teams, some uh, some special teams touchdowns as well. And they were, uh, you, you know, something like middle of the league in yards per play allowed and yards per pass attempt, which are great metrics to measure how effective a defense is. But one of like the top three fantasy defenses, and you can't have that at any other position. If you're a good player, it's going to show up in real life and fantasy. If you are not a good player, it's going to show up in both. If you are a good defense, it's not necessarily going to show up in fantasy and vice versa. So it's, I just think that it's a, it's a position that we should not be letting change the outcome of leaks. Yeah, uh, fine. Would you be better? If, well, that, that wouldn't be fun. Like if you lowered the scoring to a point where they wouldn't have as much of an impact. Oh, yeah, I yeah. promise you it would be. I've done it I, and I'm having fun. Yeah, but well, like so your defense – Say the Pats, instead of averaging 15, were averaging six. And the next highest team was averaging like, you know, 3.7. Yeah, but well, the, 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 the craziest thing is that we're awarding points to defenses in default scoring uh, because they allowed like 17 points in a game. And they get as many points as like a kicker does for making a field goal. It's like, who cares? 17 points? Who cares? That's the number one spot where you tamp down defense scoring is the points allowed category. None of the leagues that I commish award any points for anything more than 10 points allowed. And for the seven to ten category, we award one point, I believe. All right, so, um, I don't know, man. All right, know, can we talk about something it. other than defense, please, for the love of God? Well, no, no, I want to talk about the Carolina defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the week. Uh, so, what we've been doing a lot on the show uh, is, is you know play some over unders, just a, just a way to kind of pivot the information that we're giving instead of just being like, well, Seahawks are facing the Falcons. What do you think? Um, Seahawks are facing the Falcons. And I got a sneak preview at the uh, the beat writer roundup, which, by the way, Michael Beller is going to be taking over next week. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this: the obvious question I think you would ask Jason Butt, who's our Falcons writer, is who like Mohamed Sanu has played in the slot according to Sport Radar seventy six point eight percent of the time. Who takes over that slot spot? And um, I know there have been some varied answers, but he actually said that it's going to be Gage. So let me give you this: over under uh, receptions. 6.5 for gauge. Yeah. For this week. Yeah. I'll say under. Okay. You've got either a uh, Matt Schaub or a gimpy Matt Ryan starting uh, a team, a rudderless team that is ready to turn the page on the 2019 season. And I think uh, that the, the, even though Mohamed Sanu was getting about six targets per game, I believe on that team um, out of the slot, you just got to do as much Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley as you can without him. And Austin Hooper, I think uh, his value increases significantly with Sanu off uh, off to uh, New England. So give me the under on that one. So you don't think this is the Dirk Cutter offense where it's designed to make a slot receiver good? Because I mean, I've been a Mohamed Sanu owner for a long time, and uh, this year seemed like his his steadiest year and most productive year 
Um, and I assumed it was because he was in the slot in the dirt cutter offense. Yeah, but what what did that steadiness get you? Like four catches a game, six targets a game, 50-something yards a game, and one touchdown, I think, on the season? Yeah, it wasn't very exciting. Yeah, yeah, so uh, who cares? I think that uh, I think that we got to see plenty of uh, Cal Ridley. We should call him Cal Ridley, I think, from now on. Would you like to try and start that, too? Cal Ridley. The, yeah, I'm, I'm only going to call him Cal. Yeah, Cal Ridley. Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, let's give those guys all they can eat and uh, see if the Falcons can salvage a couple more wins this season. By the way, I was surprised, and maybe I shouldn't have been, in the comments. Um, and you know what? I, I go back to this. I think it's my baseball hangover. Like, you play baseball, you just want to you, – you, talent wins out, like Emory Hunt says. Your co-host, Emory Hunt, um, talent wins out. And I, I think maybe I have too much patience in football because people are kind of not dumping on Calvin Ridley, but I was surprised at how little people have valued Calvin Ridley as we enter week eight. Um, and I still love them. Like, like some of these trades that people were talking about, I'm like, yeah, take the Ridley side, man. And then you get worried. Like, I, what am I missing? Like, what did I miss a piece of news that came out today? My head was buried in these columns. Um, you know, I hate to be vague about it, but are you still a fan of Calvin Ridley? Like, would you, would you trade away? Oh man, let me, th- Joe Mixon for Calvin Ridley. Um, I would, but I was, I was never a fan of Mixon coming into the season. I thought that his, his How about Miles a- Sanders, Ooh, my, now Miles Sanders is a guy who really gets in my heart, but I think you would have to just because of the fact that we're halfway through the season and they still haven't shown any sort of willingness to make him uh, more than a you know ten opportunity per game sort of guy. I, I think Ridley's gonna uh, really have a big step up in this Atlanta offense with Sanu off the uh, off the team now, just because of what I said. I think that the, that you have to now emphasize those three guys and those three guys only in the passing game. I did think that Ridley, you know, we we saw two. Big time um, touchdown outperformers last season, Kelvin Ridley and Mike Williams. Both of them are struggling this season, uh, so that shows us how variance, uh, how much variance applies in the touchdown scoring category, especially receiving touchdowns. But uh, I do think that uh, Calvin Ridley is a second half buy. God, I messed it up right off the bat. Cal Ridley is a second <laughs> half buy. <laughs> Old habits die hard, friend. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're <laughs> we're back. Uh, you've noticed my microphone might have changed a little bit. Power outage, and uh, we just had to pick up where we left off, which is uh, Michael Beller failing miserably at uh, trying to change Calvin Ridley to Cal Ridley. Sorry, man. Hey. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that one's going to happen. I think that the fact that the power went out is actually – your power went out uh, – is actually an endorsement of Cal Ridley, right? Because this is you know throwing us back to Cal Coolidge. And we're back in, now we're back in the Coolidge administration. No widespread power. Yeah. I think I think this is an endorsement of Cal Ridley being the new name. This was totally uh, a sign from above that I shouldn't have mocked your attempts. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> hey, now you know. Forgive me, Beller. Uh, also, forgive me for I, I I knocked you out a little bit when you were starting to talk about Joe Mixon um, and switched over immediately to Miles Sanders because my brain can't stop. Uh, so if, can you just give us a little overview on Joe Mixon? Because it sounded like you were getting very – Heated. It was the beginning of a heated discussion on Joe Mixon. Yeah, I'm just I'm really not much of a Mixon guy. Um, I thought that people were a little bit too bullish on his talent coming out of Oklahoma. Um, And then I just I thought basically what has uh, come to pass in Cincinnati was going to come to pass. It's a bad team with a bad line. Even before the Jonah Williams injury in the offseason, they were going to be playing with a lot of negative game script. They'd never shown a whole lot of commitment to Mixon as a receiver. Uh, So it just added up to a whole lot of risk. And we're seeing that uh, play out before our eyes. Uh, Didn't like him at the start of the season, like him even less now. Um, I would absolutely rather have our man Cal over Mixon. Okay, well, let me pose it to you this way then. Um, 
I thought Zach Taylor was going to be an offensive genius. Obviously, uh, I was wrong. Um, I thought Joe Mixon was going to have a much better year. Obviously, I was wrong. Give me a percent chance that Joe Mixon can be a top 24 running back in 0.5 PPR the rest of the season. I mean, as much as I don't like him, I think that that's still a decent chance, uh, right? I mean, it doesn't take much to be a top 24 running back uh, for a seven-week stretch, eight-week stretch of the season. So I would put that at 50% or so. Um, but it uh, being a top 24 running back doesn't necessarily mean that uh, he's someone who really lifts you uh, in any sort of meaningful way. Um, but it is a short term. And I would say that you're, you, you're not necessarily wrong on Zach Taylor. It's just a a bad team, a bad roster, and things have gone wrong with uh, A.J. Green injury, Jonah Williams injury, uh, the defense being so bad that the offense is regularly put in a pretty tough spot. Um, I, I wouldn't be uh, writing the book on Zach Taylor just yet. Well, I mean, well, so this year, and I'll just be frank here, uh, you know, I live in New Jersey so I can gamble. Um, and I may, may have put some $20 bets on the Bengals to win their division. Yeah. Well. So that's <laughs> that's how much of a genius I thought he was. Next year, if you my level of disappointment. Anyway, okay. So I really, I thought so, people were so far down on Joe Mixon that uh, top twenty-four seemed a stretch, but I guess not. How about top fifteen then? Yeah, top fifteen. I mean, basically, the question is, do you think Joe Mixon is going to be able to turn it around? I, I mean, again, but turn turn it around in terms of being an RB two, a low end RB two. Yes, turn it around in terms of being uh, even. I'm obviously not full season, but from this point forward, the RB one people thought they were getting when they drafted him in the late second or in the early second round. Absolutely not. But I do think that he can give you low end RB two numbers the rest of the season. I don't think that's too much to ask of him. Where do you think he's going to get drafted next year? Gosh. Um, People are still going to like him. I would say probably late second, early third off the top of my head. I guess I can get behind that. I, you know, for me, it's hope springs eternal. And as Emery Hunt says, talent always wins. Uh, so if we got the Zach Taylor faith to a degree um, and we believe that Mixon's talented, shouldn't something happen, you know, from week 10, 11, 12, 13, where the clicks? Like this is still a new system for the guy. Gio Bernard's obviously a non-factor. AJ Green might be back. Is there some worth to that? To say, like, I'm going to gamble on Joe Mixon for the rest of the year, and yes, I will take your Joe Mixon for my New England Patriots defense. <laughs> well, you know where I stand on. on <laughs> it, all co- it all comes back to the Patriots. Yeah, you know where I stand on making that sort of move. But, uh, again, I mean, we know we need to take at face value what we've seen at this point. We're halfway through the season. The Bengals are bad. Mixon's regularly going to be playing with ugly game script. You, you have to be realistic about what you see. The at fantasy football season – is so short that you have to be willing to change on a dime. And what we've seen from Joe Mixon and the Cincinnati Bengals offense is one that's not going to be very friendly to its running back. And one that's not going to produce an environment where you're going to have a running back putting up top 15 numbers on any sort of regular basis. So low-end RB2, sure, if that's what you're uh, gunning for, if that's what you need, he can be that. But he's not going to be more than that. And any uh, insistence to the contrary is holding on to what you thought was going to be true in the summer. By the way, those beeps you hear in the background are uh, attempts to put the power back on. So <laughs> this, is some, this is a serious commitment to podcast by committee. All right, since it's my voice coming to you now, you can probably guess what happened after all those beeping trucks came in. We lost connection with Nando again, but we are committed to giving you a full 
podcast by committee. And that's what we are going to do, even with just one person now on the line. So Nando sent me over what he was going to go with the rest of the show. Basically, five questions uh, of uh, things that are going to happen this week or for the rest of the season. So I will just read those questions and then answer them myself. The first one is a fill in the blank. From week eight forward, Joe Mixon, God, Nando's obsessed with Joe Mixon, huh, you guys? <laughs> Joe Mixon will be a top blank running back. And uh, I just said that you know low-end RB2 is realistic for him. But again, I- I'm very down on Mixon as a player and that Cincinnati offense as a whole. So I'll say from week eight forward, Joe Mixon will be a top 35 running back. Again, Joe Mixon is going to be uh, one of the centerpieces of some very bad fantasy teams this season. For week eight, Odell Beckham, over or under 65 and a half receiving yards. Browns are big underdogs against the Patriots, but I'm going to take the over here. Um, This is going to be the uh, best offense that the Patriots have faced to date this season. Uh, They're coming out of a bye. I think the Browns get at least a few things right in this game. One of them being, let's get Odell a ton of work. Uh, Even if he has to match up with Stephon Gilmore a bit, I think that Odell Beckham gets himself over 65 and a half receiving yards. Um, True or false? Ryan Tannehill is worth streaming in 12-team, one-quarterback leagues. Uh, Ravens and Cowboys are on bye this week, so you've got Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott out. If Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott owners have only been riding one QB all season and they need some help, I do think Tannehill is worth streaming in 12-team, one-quarterback leagues. We actually talked about this a bit on the ranking show, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, and I, uh, and... um, You really saw the new life breathed into the Tennessee offense, specifically the Tennessee passing game last week against the Chargers in Tannehill's first start. Tannehill had nearly 10 yards per attempt, or more than 10 yards per attempt, excuse me, in that game. Uh, You saw season highs and receptions and targets for both Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. Uh, A nice matchup for Tennessee against the Buccaneers at home. So, yes, I believe uh, Ryan Tannehill is worth streaming in 12-team 1QB leagues. How about one for tonight? Uh, Washington and Minnesota getting together on Thursday night football. We know no Adam Thielen. So Nando asks over under Irv Smith Jr. 45 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to take the over on this one, you guys. Irv Smith Jr. has uh, popped when he's been given an opportunity. He is going to get an opportunity in this game because of no Adam Thielen. Uh, I do think Minnesota runs away with it, so maybe we see a ton of Delvin Cook uh, in the second half. And let's be realistic, we're going to see a ton of Delvin Cook in every Minnesota game uh, this season. But I think with uh, with the increased uh, target volume for Irv Smith Jr. that we should expect tonight, uh, that he gets himself to... 50 yards, maybe a touchdown. Uh, Also a guy worth streaming. Maybe you're a Mark Andrews owner. Also on by, of course, with the Ravens taking a seat. Irv Smith Jr. would not be a bad guy to throw a dart at for one week. Uh, Which will be greater? Emmanuel Sanders receiving yards or Adrian Peterson rushing yards? Adrian Peterson playing tonight. Emmanuel Sanders making his 49ers debut over the weekend. I'm going to say Emmanuel Sanders receiving yards, and it's got less to do with Manny and more to do with Peterson. I've long said that Peterson is one of the most predictable players in the fantasy game, uh, a game that Washington's going to be tight or maybe winning. Good game script. Peterson's fine to roll out if you have low-end RB2 expectations, a game that the Redskins are going to be chasing against a good defense. Then you want no part of Adrian Peterson. This game firmly in that latter category going into Minnesota. I just can't see anything good happening offensively for minute, for Washington, excuse me, tonight outside of maybe a, a big player or two out of Terry McLaurin. So give me Emmanuel Sanders receiving yards over Adrian Peterson rushing yards. Uh, the 49ers hosting Carolina in San Francisco 
on Sunday. Nando added uh, one more question since uh, since I've been uh, going solo here. Nando added one more question with Halloween around the corner, a little bit of a uh, fun one. It's a multiple choice question. If someone eggs my house on Halloween, I am A, angrily yelling at them and running outside, B, spraying it immediately so the eggs don't stick, or C, silently shaking my head at the realization that I'm an old man. Uh, well, you know, there, there's merits to all three of these. I'm probably going B, though, right? I, I got to be practical. I'm not going to angrily yund- run down a bunch of kids. Uh, and that's not going to get me anywhere no matter what uh, happens. So I'm definitely going to pass uh, on that one. And, and then shaking my, uh, silently shaking my head at the realization that I'm an old man. Uh, you know, Nando's a little bit, not, now that I'm totally free here, Nando's a little bit older than me. So uh, maybe he's an old man. I'm not quite there just yet, uh, but uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be practical here. Um, I live in Chicago. It's a cold weather city. It's already pretty cold. It's like 40 degrees today, which uh, feels ridiculous that we're already dealing with that. But I don't want any of that uh, sticking uh, to the side of my house. So I'm just gonna, you know, take my licks, uh, you know, from the youngsters and spray it down. So it's nothing that I have to deal with uh, come November first. Thank you for bearing with us uh, on this episode of Podcast by Committee. Uh, we you know, Sometimes uh, uh, technical issues are going to happen, and uh, who could possibly have seen Nando's Power Company uh, trying to replace a transformer in his neighborhood and blowing out uh, a couple of blocks worth of power? That's going to happen, so we really appreciate you sticking with us on this episode of Podcast by committee. Nando and I will be back with you next Tuesday with a beat writer uh, of an interesting team, depending on what happens this weekend. We like to scout that out over the weekend, so we're not committed to any specific team before we see what happens in that immediately previous week. Nando and I will be with you in that episode of Podcast by Committee on Tuesday. Be sure to check out our Friday update shows if you're a subscriber. Uh, that would be Best on the Board and the Ranking Show. Uh, ranking Show, Derek Van Riper and I going over those last few rankings, tidbits that you need to get your lineups right. And on Best on the Board, Chris Meany and I will lock in our favorite against the spread picks for Week 8. Just a reminder, I am on the Vikings, minus 16 to night. Those are subscriber-only shows. If you're not a subscriber and you want to listen to them, you can go to theathletic.com slash podcast by committee. Get yourself 40% off a subscription, an annual subscription to The Athletic, and you get every single thing that we do here at this fine, fine website. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for bringing with us. Fernando Dufino, I'm Michael Beller. Have a great weekend.